0: Okay, y'all. Welcome back to episode eight of the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast. Today, I am so excited to have one of my favorite Texas boys on the podcast, barbecue master extraordinaire empire builder, Jack Timmons. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Steph. It's always wonderful to see you.
0: <laughs> always wonderful to see you, Jack. And you guys, I know it's a podcast you can't see, but Jack is uh, smoking a cigar right now and living his best life. Um, this man is doing it right. Uh, obviously, the, the founder of the very uh, popular Jack's Barbecue in Seattle, which has how many locations right now?
1: We have four locations right now.
0: Yeah, they have expanded in a pandemic. One of the true success stories. Um, we're gonna get into all that COVID, what he's got going on. But first, want to just start with your story, Jack. Tell us, tell us how you got to where you were. Maybe start with how you got into barbecue and lead us up into how you got to Seattle and opened up your first Jack's.
1: Yeah, well, it's a it's a fun story. I was born in Texas, Dallas, Texas. And barbecue is part of your life, just like eating salmon in Seattle, right? <laughs> so it's one of, one of the food groups. And I uh, studied engineering at Texas A&M. I got out to Seattle on a job with Boeing 30 years ago, a long time ago when I was still a kid. And uh, settled down and was a computer dude. Um, worked at Microsoft for many years. Always had a little barbecue pit in my backyard. And it's kind of funny because I I tell people pits are like boats and motorcycles. You always want another one and a bigger one. So I went through this evolution of barbecue pits until they got almost too big. And my wife <laughs> started yelling at me. And then um, I was following Daniel Vaughn, who's a, uh, a was a blogger, a barbecue snob in Twitter and whatnot. And uh, he was going deep into Central Texas barbecue. And he'd reviewed over 500, 600 barbecue joints in Texas at that time this is 10 years ago and uh introduced me to aaron franklin you know and all these people like (laughs) these barbecue superstars and then he mentioned uh a barbecue summer camp and so i went to barbecue summer camp in the meat sciences department of texas a m right they've got guys with phds in meat and they teach barbecue they even have a barbecue 101 class for their uh students it's a science elective or something like that and so I go, I take this class. I take a beef 101 class while I'm there. We're butchering steers and, and learning all about the cattle industry. And then I went to Austin for a week, and a couple of buddies flew down from Seattle, and we toured all these super famous barbecue joints in central Texas, which is the area around Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that area was settled by Germans and Czechs in the 1800s. They had this big investment group in Germany that sent all the – Settlers over there to get rich in the new world, like everybody was trying to do, and they um, opened up butcher shops. They weren't like southern barbecue guys with pig and sauce. They were just butchers, and they would smoke cuts of meat to make them last longer. So just salt and pepper, lots of beef, uh, no sauce at all. And um, it turns out that's a good way to do to good way to do barbecue. And so they you go there. Some of those places are still open. They're they're ancient, and you go into one room and you buy your meats pay for them and you go into another room and buy your sides and drinks if you want to sit down and eat. So it's, it's old school. So oh, I, I, I came Paris. back. Yeah, it was fun. Funnily, my, my, my wife at the time wanted to go to, to Paris or something like that for vacation. I said, I'm going to College Station, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly
0: Paris, but, but close, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, I came back from that and I was all inspired. i I mean I you know, I talked to all the pit masters at these famous places. I met Wayne Mueller, who's the third generation owner of Louie Miller's, I met, you know, Aaron Franklin, I met, you know, Tootsie at Snow's barbecue. And I came back like, Oh my god, I I gotta do this And so um I talked to a guy actually I was thinking, should I do a food truck or do events? I don't like food trucks, I'm six foot four and, and <laughs> And, and standing in a little box with your, the only communication with the, the customers talking through a little hole in the, block, the box. And in Seattle, you're sitting in the drizzle eating a sandwich, you know, it's just not Austin.
2: Yeah. You know? and, yeah.
1: and, so, and so I did events and I talked to a guy, actually there's a guy from New Jersey, what was his name, Rodney, um, what was his name? He created this thing called um, Brisket Laboratory in New York. Okay. And he did the same thing. He went to, to, to Texas. He actually was doing a video show of Aaron Franklin. And he bought one of his smokers and went back to, to New York with a trailer full of post oak wood. He created a Brisket Laboratory. And he sent out an email to everybody and Facebook and Twitter and stuff Say, I'm going to try to recreate the uh, Central Texas barbecue experience here in New York. If were, I'm going to have a series of private events. If you want to be on my mailing list, give me your email. And a friend of mine from Texas who lived in Brooklyn sent it to me like, oh, my God, can you believe this? So it just went semi viral. He had 4,000 people sign up
0: Jesus, for his events. Jesus, that's right. amazing.
1: And he said, I'm going to sell 1,500 tickets. It's 25 bucks. get a pound of brisket, and then come to the event. He ended up selling 2,500 tickets in like two weeks. So he he made $65,000 before he even started cooking. And I went, <laughs> I went, that's the, that's the business model. Yeah. And, um, right. And um, so I did the same thing. I created a thing called uh, Seattle Brisket Experience, which is like, I'm a big Jimi Hendrix fan, so it's like the Jimi Hendrix experience, <laughs> except with barbecue. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wait,
0: Jack, I don't remember that. So like, what year was that?
1: That was in um, 2012.
0: Okay. So, so that was like yeah. year or I moved to Seattle and I think I met you maybe 2014-15 and it was at like an American Cancer Society like fundraiser so at this time I think right we were to the events but but continue walk us through the the brisket experience
1: <laughs> yeah so I, I sold tickets I did monthly events and I okay. and I'd sell tickets on the internet for 25 bucks I'd go to a local brewery and say hey can I bring 100 people here to drink your beer and they're like yeah you can <laughs> and I'd rent tables and chairs. I'd hire a band. The first band I, I had and used several times is called the Pornadoes. Remember them? They played like West Coast surf guitar music.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: And the first one eventually sold out, you know, by the time I had the event. It was like 100 people. And they grew up. And then the next one sold out after a couple of weeks. And then I, the next one sold out after one week. And by the time I did the 14th one, it sold out like nine minutes. So I just mentioned it on Twitter because I started getting written up in the magazines. They called me the king of brisket and, <laughs> um, and Sir mix a Well, anyhow, uh, Daniel Vaughn, the guy that uh, the blogger, he wrote a book that Anthony Bourdain's published okay. called The Prophets of Smoked Meats. And so he came out to Seattle to meet with Amazon. And I did one of my events. We had a book signing for his events. And ABC News filmed me in my backyard with him. And Amazon filmed us at the event. And we started getting famous. Um, Tom Douglas had him come back out and do an event. And I did it with him at Tom Douglas's, you know, uh, TV studio. And Sir Mix-A-Lot got some of the leftover beef ribs and uh, started chasing me on Twitter. So Sir Mix-A-Lot, and me, were buddies and... Uh, and I thought, this is happening, you know. So I started looking. So I'm doing this all illegally in my backyard, right? You're supposed to be using <laughs> a, a commissary. <laughs> That's the entrepreneur's path in life is just That's right. That's
2: right. Just make it Don't. work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ask for forgiveness. And uh, I was looking at commissaries. They're kind of expensive, like 2500 3000 a month. I thought, well, God, for that price, I could just rent a little restaurant somewhere. So I started looking at little restaurants. And the place on Airport Way was a was a dive bar called um, Bogart's. It had been Goldie's, it had been an, an Italian restaurant, but anyhow, like I, I was gonna rent it. And um, they started getting offers from like strip joints and, and punk rock clubs to buy it. And it was this old couple that had owned it as a restaurant. They said, why don't you just buy it? So I got a yeah, bunch of buddies, we all chipped yeah, in and bought it yeah. and opened a restaurant. I never even worked in a restaurant. Um, <laughs> But my, my investor buddies, because we bought the property, they thought, well, if this barbecue dude doesn't work out. At least we own a piece of property in Seattle, so it can't be all that bad. So there you,
0: there that was go.
1: that was that was in 2014. That's when it started. Yeah. So okay.
0: I, I remember that. I remember when you guys opened. Um, obviously have been there many times. And and yeah, so you so you opened 2014. I mean. I feel like you guys were just, like, immediately busy and popular, but that was a while ago, so maybe maybe refresh my memory. But, I mean, I think we can both agree that, especially before you came along, um, Seattle's a little lacking in the barbecue department.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've lived here for a long time, and it was... What i'd call southern style which was pork and sauce and everybody was excited about their sauce and they'd often bury the meat in sauce and yeah. the central texas style was this you know clean you know piece of beautiful brisket which is salt and pepper um they'd give it to you on butcher paper with pickles and onions and a piece of white bread i mean they were germans they didn't eat corn you know yeah. they, they they didn't have cornbread they give you white bread or crackers and so I knew that style would be appealing to people because I had a lot of friends in Seattle who, who said, hey, "I don't like barbecue," but they didn't like it because it had a sweet, spicy sauce on it. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. said, "Well, this is this is more about smoked meats." And so, um, and by doing those events, I tested the concept and I built up a following. So by the time I opened, I had a line out the door waiting to get in. So we started off pretty well because of the that years worth of events that I did.
0: Yeah, and you had a nice little. You're one of my Twitter guys, one of my I feel like Twitter is a dying platform out there, but you're <laughs> we tweeted each other sometimes and and, and uh-huh. yeah, you really did build up a following a following there, which you know, Twitter is still a very powerful platform, even though the, the hospitality, especially the food and restaurant industry is very focused on Instagram because of the the photos, but Twitter is still mm-hmm. a great way to to communicate.
1: Yeah. I mean in in and Twitter was really about communicating like you tweet something out people would ask you questions and you talk to them and all that kind of stuff so it was more engaging that way and Facebook has become that for me now like people post comments and talk about it and Instagram is more just photos and videos now and, and it's mm-hmm. it's fun to look at and they're different experiences I guess Instagram's wow. just for kind of browsing and Facebook's for chatting and Twitter's for getting into arguments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't we know it? Oh man. Um, well, okay. So so you you you're you're open. Your first location. You're you're busy. I rem I, I wish I could remember the first time I came by. I, and I'd had your food. I know at events, but I remember to take some photos with you and i don't know it was just for fun it wasn't really like a a specific i think i was writing on. oh i was writing something on bourbon cocktails in seattle maybe 2015 and you guys were doing a like a smoked orange peel old-fashioned is that what it was
1: yeah that drink became kind of famous we had yeah uh, some booze was, magazines was, come was, and take pictures blog,
0: Jack, right it was the blog i wrote that that propelled yeah. it yeah
1: you me. did you did i owe most of my success to you, that, uh,
0: you oh, made Jack, that drink. Flattery will go everywhere, Mr.
1: <laughs> well it's true that that you were the first one to write about that drink and it became our number one cocktail still is i mean we We smoke oranges in the – our smokers are 22 feet long and four feet in diameter. They're giant, right? We do about three or four tons of meat a week. And um, at the far end of the smoker, we slice oranges in half and put them in there. And and, um, just a second.
0: No worries. My
1: earplug fell out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can edit that out, but I might just leave it in. You know, it's real life. This is this is the the pitfalls of, of podcasting right here. <laughs>
1: I haven't quite figured out the ear things. I need some of the little ones that hook on for doing sport. Yes. But um, yeah, so, the the you smoke the oranges. We also smoke brown sugar. We put it on sheet trays and smoke that for hours, and then cook it down into a simple syrup, and it comes out like a caramel molasses. That's our That's our um, sweetener for that drink Um, with the orange and bitters and whiskey, of course. And we get cherries and we soak them in brandy or bourbon with uh, clove and allspice and stuff like that. It's it's delicious. And people still order Um, it all.
0: Make me want a cocktail. It is. What is it? 915 in the morning It's too
1: early
0: for a cocktail. Is it, though? um, and, And it's still on the menu and it's still very popular.
1: It's still number one. Yeah, right at the top. That, margaritas, Shinerbach beer. Um, our, Man- our Manhattans are actually popular. It's funny. I used to, I, it's, some people don't get it when they come in. Like we had this one reviewer, not a reviewer, a guy on Yelp that said, yeah, I don't know if this is really Texas style. I mean, there's, there's, there's no big, you know, uh, ice chest filled with big red sodas when you walk in the door. And, and, uh, you know, he's telling me this to, to me, I'm from Texas. My chef is from Texas. My pit master was from Texas. And This guy comes into the restaurant and I hear him talking to his friend saying the same story. I said, you're the guy who wrote that review and dinged us for not being Texas. I said, where are you from? He said, Bellevue. Um, he said, but I've been to Texas. I went to Texas on vacation. I said, dude, you know, do you like Big Red? You know, I was like, I like. I want a Manhattan. This is grown-up barbecue. I want a cocktail with my meal.
0: Out <laughs> of here from Bellevue, trying to tell me about barbecue? Come on, like, I to <laughs> say, I'm glad that Yelp has. It seems to be becoming a less valued platform, and 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 people right. don't put as much stock in it because, like, in 2014, 15, Yelp was like really king, and you know, it's these these yelpers man we know what anthony bourdain said about elite yelpers they're the they're the worst people on earth i mean i should maybe edit that There's some yelpers listening that are gonna they are gonna hate us now jack but, but anyway, so, so he comes in you're you're like dude i'm from texas um but did you ever get the big cooler is it is it there now
1: no no we're still we're still grown up barbecue when we first opened When we first opened for lunch, like every single, like 100.0 barbecue joints in Texas are cafeteria style. You line up and you walk through the line, you get your meats, you get your sides, you get your drinks, you sit down. And we did that for lunch at our original location. And the line went out the door. And so we had two slicers and two cashiers and the line got shorter, but it was still long. And, um people drive in for lunch, they'd see the line, they just go get back in their cars and drive away. There are guys, it's not like Austin where you can spend an hour waiting in line uh, to get your food. And there'd be old people standing there in line with canes. I'm like, this is dumb. So we just went back to sit down service, bring you a margarita, <laughs> you know bring you your food if you want to get up the slicers right in front of everybody and people go up and talk to them all the time there's nothing wrong with that but uh yeah this is I call this grown-up barbecue I want I want to sit down have somebody bring me a, a cocktail and bring me some barbecue
0: yeah me <laughs> Me too, Jack. I'm coming to see you soon. <laughs> I, I I promise next time. In, I'm in Seattle. I'm I'm stopping by. And uh, for everyone listening, we're actually we're doing this uh, podcast. We're not together. I like to do them in person if we can. Uh, Jack and I are doing a Zoom situation today. But um, I have been to the South Lake Union restaurant many times. I've been uh, to the Soto location many times. I've had his food, his brisket many, many times. Um, I actually remember uh, that when I went in to do the photo, the cocktail photos of the old fashioned, um, you made me like everything. So I got to eat so much. And I remember having your brisket and I was like, this is like meat butter. Like that's, I remember that, like saying that to you. It must've been like five or six years ago. It's like, like, (laughs) it's just like this just melts in your mouth. And like you're saying, like hitting home that point, like it does not need sauce. It is very different from like a traditional like I'm from Alabama, like barbecue has sauce. And my mom made like a more Carolina like vinegar based sauce. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why she didn't. Her the recipe that she used that her her mother used was vinegar based. And I and I love it. And I am very used to having tons of sauce on on, Mm -hmm. on on. Boston butt on, on, on everything barbecue. But that I'm, I remember having yours, your style. And it was, it was really the first time I'd ever had that. Just, it's, it's just, it's just really the meat and it's just uh, this beautiful, perfect bite.
1: <laughs> yeah. When you do it, when you do it right, it's, it is just like that. And I, and I've eaten barbecue around, you know, we, we actually catered, we did 200 pounds of full pork for the Seahawks versus the Carolina Panthers at the football stadium uh, and we what? did a, yeah, yeah.
2: Jack we, is did, it.
1: <laughs> we did um, a mustard vinegar sauce, which is South Carolina, right? Okay. And it was delicious. And for a while, we did whole pig uh, smokes on Sundays with that sauce, and it was yummy. But I can't really add it to the menu. I'm not from there, and I don't <laughs> want to pretend to be from there. You know, it's it's hard enough to do one thing. I'm from Texas, so I can yeah. I can do. Central Texas style, and let the that the you know Carolinians do that style. It's Absolutely. it's all good.
0: You're you're doing what you do so well, and I mean, I there are so many different variations on barbecue and sauce, and just just stay in your lane and do one thing really really well. And I mean, I think that that. So you've done that, and again, you're. We're going to talk about how much you've been expanding, and let's just get into that right now. So you open your first location in 2014. Um, was South Lake Union the second location, or you did Columbia Tower briefly, and then COVID happened? Can, fill us in on the rest of the locations filling in.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had a um one of there's a a, a guy that came into the restaurant like at least once a week for years and just loved our food and it is scott redmond and he's a buddy of mine now and he he built a building selling construction company down in south lake union in the middle of all the amazon buildings and he said dude you got to bring your barbecue down here and so we, we uh worked it out and they ended up opening down there just thinking you know, let's give it a try. It's, um, South Lake Union is kind of weird. It's a neighborhood in Seattle it's where all the Amazon buildings are and Google and now everybody else. And it's kind of like, you are in Dubai or something. There's like hundreds of people walking on the street and everybody's getting off a bus and it's just different. So it took me a while to get my brain around it, you know? And, but I thought, what the hell, let's try it. And it's, it's, it's worked out really well. Um, we smoke all the meats, at the original location, and drive them over every day, and they travel really well. I mean, you actually want briskets and pork shoulders and stuff like that to sit for a few hours before you serve them, and and they can sit in an alto sham in a, in a meat warmer, you know, all day, and they just get better. So we started doing that, and then Columbia City happened at about the same time. And uh, it's the tallest building on the West Coast until a couple years ago. I think they built one slightly taller in Los Angeles. But it's this giant building downtown. It has a food court at the bottom. And, uh, again, it was um, not expensive to get in there. And we just take the meats over there. And it's just Monday through Friday, breakfast and lunch. Um, So those two places opened in – when did they open? Two years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. what So, like, that was – we (laughs) opened – In 2014, like 2019, they opened, and it took a while to get the restaurant stable. Um, In the beginning, uh, it was hard. Like, I'd never even worked in a restaurant. Now I'm managing a restaurant and hiring and firing people, and it was stressful. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, like, screaming, like, anxiety attacks, you know.
2: You
1: you see my hair is kind of half white now. It used to be all brown. (laughs) I, I, tell, I tell people i've aged like a president you know you look at obama before and after or bush or one of those guys <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the restaurant business
0: <laughs> but after a while <laughs> it's a it's a stressful like the restaurant owner management i mean you know you know i don't know if you have met marcus my boyfriend but he's been and finally stepped away from restaurant management after 20 years in his life and It's. I mean, he would wake up too in the middle of the night. Like I was dreaming about work. I was thinking about stuff all night. It's definitely. It's a. It's a job. It's
1: it's always a crisis. Like the the first time the police dragged one of my employees out of the kitchen for breaking parole, it was kind of exciting. You know, like Jesus Christ. You know, SWAT SWAT team comes in and grabs this guy and drags him out. I'm like, holy shit, and then. It happened like a year later. They staked out another guy for doing something wrong, and I was just like you know. I just told the kitchen, "Hey, Bobby ain't gonna be in on Monday, y'all." You know. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, you know of oh my gosh! I, I've never seen that happen at a restaurant, but I, I'm sure it does. I am sure it does. Well, well. So you get you get these other locations open, and and South Lake Union is. I mean, it's still open and going going very strong over again. And Amazon. Amazon Land, which is always, if you're from the Seattle area, it's kind of a weird place to put a restaurant because there's a lot of people there working downtown and there's starting to be some residential stuff, but it's not until recently really been a place where people actually like go out. So it's right. changing a little bit, but I mean, I, I every time I've been in there, you guys have have been busy.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, like all the places down there were busy at lunchtime. And then at dinner it was kind of different and uh you know i talked to tom douglas about this he's a restaurant owner in seattle and had a lot of restaurants until recently and he said yeah it's, you don't want to be down there at dinner time people aren't it's because it's offices and apartments it doesn't have movie theaters. It doesn't have music venues. It's not a real neighborhood. It's kind of a working neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so when people go out for dinner, dinner, if they want to spend $30 on a bottle of wine and that much on a piece of salmon, they're going to go to another neighborhood where it just feels more neighborhoody, like Ballard mm-hmm. or Capitol Hill.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so we had a, a super strong lunch and then uh, dinner was more of a happy hour crowd. People would snack and eat, but it wasn't packed. And then when COVID happened, you know, none of those people went to work. And so it all kind of died. But our dinner takeout business went through the roof. Like, you know, all the restaurants shut down and all those people were still there in apartments. I know what they did. They went to Whole Foods down the street, bought a a chicken for 30 bucks and brought it home and cooked it once. Went the hell with that. You know, they're they're just not the kind of folks who are going to cook dinner every night like Ma and Pa. Right. So they started ordering to go and our to go business went through the roof. So dinner now is our busy time. That's incredible yeah yeah
0: and that's 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 awesome and so are you doing a lot of dine-in now for dinner or just still the takeout mostly
1: it dine-in is coming back it's a mm-hmm. it's been at 25 or rather 50 percent occupancy for the last few months yeah and uh our bigger restaurants are okay with that because we've got so much space to spread yep. out tables south lake union was um smaller so you can only have like four tables really or five yep. you know doing that um we did. It's funny. South Lake Union. Also, they took out half the streets and made them bike lanes. Right. Like Seattle's one of those crazy towns where they want everybody <laughs> to get on a bike or a bus.
0: <laughs> and so there was no parking. Hills. Let's get everyone on a bike in this and <laughs> this terrain. Right.
1: You know. Right. And you know how many people decide to go out to eat and pick a restaurant and then get on their bikes and drive to it yeah zero like nobody does that i mean they don't even do it in amsterdam they take cabs or walk because they don't want to get dressed up and get on a bike for dinner it's um so that so that was weird um so i told the city last summer i said well you close the bike you close you kind of ruined our parking and and driving anyhow why don't you just close the whole street down and, you know, Seattle's a hippie town. So they're like, that's cool. Let's close the whole street down. So they, let's make it a pedestrian place. So now it is. So they, they closed the street down in the last summer and this summer, too. And so now we've got outdoor dining in, like, a park-like place in the street. So it's it's cool. They, right. they had to leave they had to leave the bike lanes open, though. So you have to dodge bikes. <laughs> you have to look out get... for the
0: bikes. Just look out for the bikes, <laughs> guys. Well, and the- you're, you're starting to hit on like a lot of how your business um shifted when COVID happened last year. And, you know, you guys were really, you know, if you follow Jack's or Jack on social media, um, you guys were one of the first real restaurants that I saw really pivoting to you know, feed frontline workers, think outside the box, like stimulate your business by, you know, you were taking donations to feed, you know, hospital workers and mm-hmm. you, you carried really well. Like you said, you were able to shift to to take out really easily. Um, t- tell us just a little bit about like, I mean... I know you were absolutely the first restaurant I saw that was like, we are going to drop off 50 meals to this hospital. If you want to buy one, like you were the first person that I saw doing that anywhere. Like where, tell us a little bit about that inspiration and just like the, the pivot when COVID hit. Cause you guys did such a good job with it.
1: Yeah. My, my, my girlfriend now my fiance. Um,
0: Ooh, congratulations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's a, she's a doctor at Swedish hospital. She works in the intensive care unit. So she's in the ICU. So she was in the covid you know hot zone yeah. and so she's one of those people coming home with a mask burns on her face and working 16 18 hour days and just you know so i said can i bring you some breakfast tacos she's like hell yeah you can so we, we we take our brisket and our smoked sausage and stuff and put them on a you know in a tortilla with eggs and cheese and, and potatoes and people love them and so you yeah. bring <laughs> yeah we we brought them in the first time i i didn't know um, you know, I just gave them to the people at the at the front door and all the ER people, the emergency room people, I ate them all. So I had to get extras next time to make it up to the ICU, the next floor up, right? <laughs>
0: oh, what a wonderful thing to do, though. And well,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it was and sweet. And it-
0: talker, so I'm- <laughs> I-, I love this story. Of course, that's what inspired it. So so you're like, yeah. right. waking up the first time, I got to come back with more breakfast tacos, Right.
1: Right. And then and then people said, can I chip in on that? And so people started. I said, yeah, I want, you want to buy some tacos for somebody? So we just started doing it for everybody. And then we got into some of the um, some organizations actually started doing it, frontline foods, mm-hmm. which started, I think, in San Francisco. Uh, Larry Morris here in Seattle opened up one of those and he raised money from multiple donors and give it out to multiple restaurants. It just became a thing where everybody started doing it, which was wonderful for us because we, you know, we went to 30% of our sales when it first, when COVID first hit and that, you know, when people started buying uh, breakfast tacos and lunches from us, it kept us totally kept us, you know, from going out of business, which was a big deal. We also did some other things Um, because the dinner business was a little quiet, you know, like I was saying, and and, um, before COVID, we, we created a ghost kitchen, which is uh, you run a separate restaurant out of the same restaurant, mostly for delivery uh, food guys. So the delivery apps, you just look on. So I was going to do Tex-Mex because that's the other thing that I'm, I'm passionate about. And uh, But my head chef, Stu Navar. <laughs> do you know Stu? You know,
0: you know I love Stu. Stu. Stu and my boyfriend worked together for a long time at Local 360, and we love yep. him and in- wife so hi Stu we love you hope you're listening
1: (laughs) yeah he said well I tell you what it's a text mix we'd have to do rice and beans and you know extra sauces and all this stuff He says, why don't we do fried chicken so he's a Houston boy and he's you know gourmet chef so we started getting like super fresh giant delicious tenders and brining them, soaking them in buttermilk, frying them twice. And we created a restaurant called Jack's Chicken Shack. And it has its own website and stuff. But we used the same sides. So for the kitchen at South Lake Union, which is tiny, yeah, you know, uh, corn, um, cornbread, uh, coleslaw, potato salad, beans, all that goes fine with fried chicken. So we started a fried chicken business out of there. And that started taking off. Um, we did another thing, too, so I could hire back all the employees we laid off like 60 employees right when it happened it kept the managers running the place um we set up um i went to restaurants around town uh, north of where we're at east of where we're at in bellevue south down in uh, auburn and i found restaurants that were only open for breakfast and lunch there's a little place in bellevue called the uh, um Um, what was it called the um, brief encounter and uh, breakfast and lunch and nobody's getting an omelet to go right during COVID it's just not a to-go food And they were getting ready to shut their doors and we said well we'll rent the place from you and do dinners there and we did that in multiple locations I hired back you know 16 more employees and put them in those locations and uh, we would smoke all the meats and make all the sides and drive them to those locations every day we've have since been actually looking for a location on the east side in bellevue and every place we look at is getting torn down for you know a a google building or something like that so it's that area is kind of developed um we'll we'll find something over there um but yeah those those kinds of pivots helped us a lot
0: going back to like the fried chicken shack i want to revisit that because i I completely forgot that that even happened. Like, I just, you've done so much and you guys have been, again, just so busy, able to rehire people, like, how long was that open? I'm really mad I never got to try the fried chicken by <laughs> the way. I know it was delicious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it started right about when COVID started. I mean, we were, we were talking about doing it and then when COVID hit, we went, oh no, we got to do something dramatic here. And so we kicked it off right away. So it's been running for over a year now and it's, and it's still, um it,
2: still going.
1: Yep, yeah, it's still going it's run out of south lake union um the funny thing is that of course our customers come in to the to the south lake union location to eat barbecue and they see us frying chicken they could smell it a block away and they like what so they started demanding it so we put it on the menu there so you can eat barbecue or fried chicken at that location
0: what and, um, I didn't know that you didn't tell me <laughs> did it, my fried chicken fix at the South Lake. You know I'm always in that area when I'm when I'm in town. So I it's,
1: it's good. Like we've got yeah. four different kinds of sauce, and it's like the way we fry it twice and everything. I mean it's it's really good. So
0: good there,
1: might, do it. there might it might be a fried chicken standalone restaurant in the future.
0: Oh well we need we need more fried chicken in our lives, Jack. Okay. So
1: um,
0: (laughs) please, please help us make that happen. Um, and, and speaking of, so, so things are going, yeah. Okay. I, I've got to have this fried chicken. First of all, I did not realize Mm -hmm. you could get South Lake union location. So everybody there's your little Easter egg to take away from this. I think if you're in (laughs) Seattle, go to the South Lake union uh, location and, and, and get that. Um, well, okay, so things are just like moving along COVID, and then you open a new location during COVID.
1: Right. So before COVID, we we bought a location uh, south of town in Al- Algona, which Al- is near Al- Al- Algona, which is near Auburn and Federal Way. So it's like twenty minutes south of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had actually never heard of the town named Algona. Never
0: heard of it either. When I saw y'all were moving to Algona, I was like, "Where the hell is he going?" And <laughs> this great photo of Jack on. The Jackson- <laughs> instagram of you standing on the side of the road and it looks like you're hitchhiking with your thumb out and it's like saying that you're going to algona and i'm like where the hell is he going
1: <laughs> i actually put another picture up on instagram of a map with algona with an arrow point to it with like this is where it's at everybody it's it's just right off of uh, highway 167 and it's you know, Seattle's such a boomtown, and it's so expensive. And you know, most of my staff, the restaurant business—you know—you don't make a lot of money. They all live south of town.
0: You can't so afford whole... to live in Seattle, and <laughs> we moved to Walla Walla.
1: <laughs> right, right. It's it's out of control, and so I knew the whole city's moving south, and and half my staff lives down there, and we were you know looking for a, a place down there, and this place came up for sale. So we bought it. It was an old dive bar, just like our original place. That's kind of our our thing. We buy old dive bars and turn them into barbecue joints because it's it's not that hard, you know. Paint paint the paint the walls and hang a jackalope. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a great business model and one that has clearly served you well. And mm-hmm. okay, so remind me, like, when did that open?
1: That opened last uh, November, actually on Halloween night, and. Okay. Uh, It was 50% occupancy for, uh, that for about two weeks. And then the governor shut it down again And, and then winter's coming. And so we put up a tent and got some big heaters and everybody moved outside. And, uh, so King County where we're based in Seattle is like crazy regulation. It's like San Francisco or New York. It's just one of those towns with too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen. And so they're constantly harassing us like the pop-ups that we did like the one in bellevue and ravenna and down south um some guy called us from king county a food inspector dude said look you can't we don't have a, a permit that allows you to do a long-term pop-up and i said well we've got a restaurant license and a catering license and the people we're sharing the kitchen with have a restaurant license like what do you what do you want and he said well yeah we, we don't know how to handle this i said are we breaking the law He said no but we don't have a law that allows you to do it i'm like oh my god it's
0: (laughs) oh my god that is seattle for you everyone
1: (laughs) oh my god and so um you know and and then they're on us about you know the tents too close to the building i said we're not using the building you told us we couldn't have dining inside so you know you're constantly fighting them but Uh, algona is a nice town you know the sheriff and the mayor it's 3,500 people so they hang out at the restaurant and stuff the sheriff looks to be like, I guess I need to write you a ticket. And he takes a bite out of his brisket sandwich. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And then, so, you guys, did you do, you did take out there, too, obviously. Yeah. When things down for a while. I mean, we've been under strict lockdown in Seattle, way more than uh, lots of parts of the country. So, it's been, again, a, a challenge, um, as it has been for everyone. Uh, and so, yeah, so you yeah. managed to. In a new looking
1: yeah living. yeah yeah i mean we you know christmas was hard it was um cold and and people weren't going out to eat and we tried to do a christmas market in both restaurants we set up long displays we sold um you know uh wagyu steaks we get from snake river farms and we mm-hmm. sold our chili and our spice rubs and t-shirts all this kind of stuff i bought a santa suit and, and <laughs> took Took, took Santa Claus pictures with kids with uh, my red cowboy boots and a cowboy hat on and a Santa suit. So we tried that. <laughs> you know, we sold a lot of cookies, but we didn't make any money. But it, <laughs> it kept people hired, and it, it kept our staff amused and the and the customers when they come in. I mean, to go for half a year when you're just wearing a mask and you're handing a brown paper bag of food to somebody wearing a mask, it's just it's just. It's, it's a grind. You know, we were tired of it. So we kept trying to come up with fun ideas to make it amusing for ourselves and for our customers. And so, yeah, we did a Christmas market for a while. And, but then they opened up 50 percent dining again. And now it's it's doing we're doing OK. We're in the black for sure with, um, you know, the, the locations are so big that we can spread out tables. Yeah, And we have patios. I mean, you know, we own the property, so we can put uh, patios, tents outside and stuff like that. So we've, we've managed to make it through. And now it looks like it's wrapping up. So we're excited.
0: Thanks. We we feel like we're yeah. finally through it. And, I mean, I, I know, I mean, you know, we're in Walla Walla now, but I'm in Seattle a lot. And I work with a lot of restaurant tours over there and have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry. And, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it's people are coming back. Like hotels are starting to sell out, I'm hearing yeah. from my friends that they're you know the restaurants are filling up i mean even here in walla walla i tried to get a reservation yesterday on a tuesday for somewhere kind of last minute like it was either like i had to eat at four or i had to eat at nine and i ate at 4 30. i I, I can't eat at nine o'clock i just i'm like an old lady i i can eat early
2: (laughs) (laughs) i can't eat late
0: but it's great to see the hospitality industry, just hotels filling up, restaurants filling up. People are starting to go back to bars. We're starting to feel that normalcy. And, I mean, you guys have been busy the whole time. So I can only imagine. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what like, what the future holds for Jack's?
1: So, you know, so Texas is it's funny. It's Texas food. I belong to an historic food society in Texas called Texas Foodways.
2: Okay. And they have
1: one. You're probably aware of the one called Southern Foodways. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. So this is a spinoff from that group. And it's, um, they have annual symposiums. You go learn about the history of, of Texas cuisine and stuff. And and for me, uh, the four Texas food groups, like every time I'd fly back to, to home to visit, I'd always have to eat barbecue, Tex-Mex, Southern food, like fried chicken or chicken fried steak, and then Gulf Coast seafood, you know, shrimp po'boys and, and yes. gumbo's like The Houston stuff. Yeah. And so um, it's always been in my mind that a Tex-Mex restaurant would serve the Seattle area well, too, just like the Texas style barbecue did. And so we're opening a a Tex-Mex restaurant in Columbia City at the end of the summer. We just uh, we're in there working on it right now. It's the old El Sombrero right in the middle of Columbia City. Right.
0: Right. Look yeah at yeah you. you didn't tell me that yesterday when we talked That's <laughs> thing. end of summer yeah, I, august ish
1: yeah august september ish you know it depends on the city always if they let you get permitted or not but it's um you know it's tex-mex is a little different than west coast mexican food as well um the area around san antonio it, tex-mex started in san antonio in the 1800s and when um, Spain was trying to colonize Texas, and, and Davy Crockett and the Comanches and everybody's, you know, fighting over the the land and whatnot, um, Spain brought a bunch of settlers from the Canary Islands, off the coast of Africa and Spain, and they settled in San Antonio. And they brought cumin, and you mix cumin with the local chili peppers, and that's what chili is. When you get a bowl of chili, it's cumin chilies. You know, garlic, salt, and pepper, and meat. And they had chili queens that would sit in the town squares, these big pots of chili meat, and sell them and stuff like that. And uh, the gringos used to go to the Mexican neighborhoods and eat, you know, the local food, enchiladas and tacos and stuff. And a a guy from Chicago moved to, to San Antonio in 1905, and in 1906, brought a Mexican family to the gringo neighborhood and opened up a restaurant. It was the first Tex Mex restaurant ever. I've seen the original um, menu from it and whatnot, and it's got things like enchiladas with chili con carne, and so when you go to Texas, you know, the enchiladas have cumin in the in the chili sauce that goes with the enchiladas, and it just tastes different, and, you know, there's yeah. a few little things, yeah, and when I first moved to the West Coast, the food, it just didn't taste the same, it tasted a little bland, to be honest, and um, different chili peppers, not that cumin <laughs> and so uh me and Stu Navar and Graham Ayers, who's the uh who's been my GM running the airport way restaurant the original one for many years he always wanted to do a Mexican restaurant you know he worked at Cactus for many years yep. and he, that's his passion and so I finally I you know we talked about doing it for many years we finally did it he lives in Columbia City so this is like going to be a slam dunk for him yep. um and we and went
0: Columbia to it's really like it's it's getting very trendy right now because no one can mm-hmm. afford to be in downtown Seattle um so that I feel right. like and people don't and now with covid no one could afford it and now with covid downtown is not the best place to be so like Columbia City like Beacon Hill these other like more kind of on the outskirts neighborhoods of Seattle are right. really starting to be trendy and popular because Jeff's can afford it. People can try out new concepts. And um, again, people are moving away from the center of the city anyway, because it's so freaking expensive, as we've talked about. Um, That's exciting coming to Columbia City. So uh, do we have a name yet? Is this going to be Jack's Tex-Mex? Is that what we're getting?
1: It's going to be called Jackalope Tex-Mex and Cantina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. So you have to put the biggest Jackalope of all on the wall of this one. Like, I want to see a Jackalope like 12 feet tall when I walk into the, when I walk into this restaurant, Jack.
1: It's so funny. So a Jackalope is of course a jackrabbit with horns, like ant, you know antlers from a deer or something like that. And we've yeah. got uh, one of my customers, the original restaurant was talking to me once when I, when they were having dinner and said, you know, this place is just missing something. We want to talk to you about it. I was going, what, something on the menu or something like that? They said, this place really needs a jackalope hanging on the wall to be a real Texas restaurant. <laughs> and, and so they actually sent me one for Christmas. And so now we've got jackalopes hanging in all the restaurants. It's always so been kind was, of our like, joke.
0: The original was a gift because someone just said you needed it
1: yeah and I you know it's true I did need it because they are you always see them in in Texas barbecue joints and and whatnot and uh it, that was funny, and some of my weight staff of course look at it like is that thing real you know <laughs> that, oh, oh yeah.
0: It's definitely a centerpiece. It's definitely a statement piece, um, and I yeah, you definitely. It was definitely needed. So a big thank you to that very concerned, very concerned guest of yours. That's that's amazing. I what what a great story. Um, so okay, so we're gonna look for the jackalope Tex Mex to be, and I mean that's something like I can't even think of a Tex Mex restaurant in Seattle off the top of my head. Like I
1: yeah, they're they're I, they're around, but it's. Um... You know, I, I haven't frequented them over the years. When I first moved to Seattle years ago, they weren't around at all. And yeah. I think they're around. But, um, you know, we, we uh, Stu and Graham and I and Josh, who's going to be the kitchen manager there, went to uh, Texas just a few weeks ago. We went to Houston, San Antonio and Austin. We ate at 22 Tex-Mex restaurants in three and a half days. or research.
0: <laughs> oh, what, why, what, where's my invitation, Jack? That sounds- <laughs> that I
1: sounds mean, really it was so fun and we learned a lot. We, um, there are people, you know, who grew up in the Mexican and Texas part of that country and their families go back many generations before there were borders. And they have these great stories about how they made enchiladas and how they did this and that and, and and man, we're just like so dialed in. It's going to be so good now. And we, you know, fajitas started in in Houston too at Nymphas, and we went to there and to Papa Cito's and all these other cool places. And you know, one of the things we'll have on the menu is um, as part of the fajitas is quail, and quail has been eaten in Texas forever, back in the hunter gatherer days. I but love that, quail. Now you can get deboned quail, which is a hell of a lot easier to eat because you don't have to pick it, all the little bones out of it, such a tiny, tiny bird. So, And, man, we just we had a great time. So we're excited about that. And, of course, like in Austin, they've got uh, like Valentino's Tex-Mex barbecue, or they've got real barbecue guys that are making Tex-Mex. And we'll do that, too, with our brisket. Uh, our beef ribs. We do beef rib tacos with a chimichurri sauce right now. That's amazing. And things like that on the menu. So it'll be, and we'll do some clever, you know, Mexico City style things too. So we're going to do Tex mex Max Max, and BBQ Max. That's kind of our, <laughs> our blend.
0: I Max Max, BBQ Max, and Tex mex Whatever, whatever you're looking for, you'll be able to find it here. <laughs> so, barbecue adventure, next time you go, I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. Uh, you have to tell me, did you guys, did you say you went to Austin or San Antonio?
1: Yep, we went to Houston, Austin, and San Antonio. Austin, I,
0: what is the name? Have you eaten at the restaurant uh, Cured in San Antonio?
1: Oh, no, I haven't. I, I ate there years ago, though. That's a good place. That's a good meat well, the, place. R-
0: they do for happy hour, they do is I think it's 25 cent, it may be 50 cent fried whale legs for from like mm. four to six. And every time I go to San Antonio, that's the moon, oh, <laughs> it, it's delicious. Um, yeah, well, well okay, it's so exciting. You've got so much going on, and I mean, I think the great thing about you guys is that you're making amazing food, but you're just a great part of the community. Such a, I mean, all this. Things that you've told us about keeping your staff uplifted, keeping the community uplifted, feeding—you know—the frontline workers. You guys have just contributed so much um, to Seattle and and maintain that positive attitude, which was so hard to do the past uh, year and four months or however long it's been at this point. Um, Jack, tell us—we you know you got the text mic. Is there anything else coming up that we want to talk about, or we're good?
1: Well, you know, I've got some investors that want me to open eight more uh, barbecue joints around the Northwest, uh, Boise, Spokane, uh, anywhere else we feel like they could fit one. So we're looking, we'll probably Walla grow. Walla. We've got,
0: Walla Walla, maybe?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, Walla Walla, I I was there um, a year ago, actually. I went to Hataway's, which was amazing.
0: Oh, good, right. Oh, my God.
1: That's so good. That's awesome. I oh, saw okay, that on your. Right. I saw that on your website. Yeah, that that's a cool place. Yeah. And um, I, it seems a little small, you know, it's kind of seasonal, like people go there in the summer and stuff. I don't know if it's big enough to support a restaurant. It seems like one of those towns where everybody has three jobs, you know, to make it work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and, and everyone's got a job in wine here, but I'm telling you, Jack, we don't have a barbecue place, so I think if you come here, it will, <laughs> it will do quite well, and actually there's, I won't name names, but a lot of, of bigger chefs and a lot of people you know have have been looking at spaces here, because I do think that a lot of people are just, COVID kind of made everyone rethink things, and we're all you know, yeah. looking like maybe moving out of the city or slowing down a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how, that, now that you know, it's actually going, to but I think that some of these trends, how they eat out, how they, how they so like, I think some of that stuff is going to stick around. It's going to, be, it's going to be interesting to see. I think we know for sure that you guys are going to be successful. And I know that I would love to see eight more Jack's barbecues around the Northwest. Um, you guys are going to be, <laughs> over the next couple of years huh
1: yeah yeah it's fun well we're at that point we've got people like Stu and graham that can run the run the show right it's mm-hmm. uh so you can and they want more responsibility and stuff so it's fun to grow the the management group too and let them take the reins and get some ownership and you know and and have some fun and so i'm still just doing this for fun it's it's yeah. uh it's 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 uh my livelihood you know i depend on it but it's, it's it just seems quite whimsical I, I was in um in the i'm i'm helping build a school on an island off the coast of cancun called Isla mujeres yes and my my uncle was a priest who taught at a school and so all my life i wanted to do something like this and i go there on vacation i meet this priest who's like super cool and he said that's exactly what i'm doing and um so we're we're I've been raising money. I created a 501c3. It's called the Yucatan Education Project. We've raised about 800 grand and we're almost done building this little college. It's going to be on this island for the kids so they can learn English and computers and hotel management and whatnot so they can participate in the economy that's just, you know, busy all around them. But I remember sitting on the beach, drinking a margarita there and holding up the margarita and just looking at it and going, wow, you know, brisket paid for this. That's kind of amazing that I can make a living doing barbecue. It's cool. The
0: power <laughs> of brisket. And you know, just another, you know, <laughs> mentioning this, this school, like, Jack, you just have such a big heart. I, I remember, I don't know, a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, I came to one of the fundraisers that you were doing for this, I had the pleasure of, of photographing it and hanging out with you guys for a few hours and and you do you just have you just have such a big heart and I know that's been a, a big part of your success also you make some pretty damn good barbecue brisket <laughs> um, and some pretty good uh, smoked orange old fashions as well, <laughs> um, well don't forget about those but I uh, just want to really thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I know you are very busy. Um, You guys can follow Jack's Barbecue on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at Jack's Barbecue. Be prepared to be hungry. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thanks for talking to me, Steph. I appreciate it. You've made me interested in Walla Walla again. I'm going to go out there and and eat at Hataway's and go to um, Bacon and Eggs for breakfast, Yes. Right?
0: Yes. Okay. Well, you let me know when you're coming and we will go wine tasting. Is that a deal?
1: That's a deal. Guaranteed.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, hey, Jack, again, thank you so much. Again, you guys, um, at Jack's Barbecue. follow him for all the delicious things and look out for the Tex-Mex in August-ish of this year. Jack, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thank you,
1: Steph.